Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The score! They'll break huddle. They'll be in the victory formation. It's 4th and 11. Purdy is under center. He takes the snap. He backpedals a step. Zeroes on the clock. It's over. The sideline's empty. With the comeback for the ages, the 49ers are going back to the Super Bowl. That's Westwood One, Kevin Harlan on the final call. And here to talk football is one of our favorite football folks who is currently covering the Senior Bowl. Kalen Kaler is on Twitter at Kalen Kaler, the senior NFL writer for The Athletic, is with us on the score hotline presented by Circa Sports Illinois. Well, set the scene for us. Are there these are the some for some better than the game itself, the individual drills. Hey guys, how are you? Hey, good. Are so are you actually at the uh at the drills at the moment? Yeah, so I actually stepped out of the um I mean, I'm still in the stadium. I'm like on the walkway outside, but there are yeah, there are individual drills going on. The the practice before this, we're on the second practice. This is um, the American team now. The national team actually had the more interesting players as far as quarterbacks go. Um, it was Bo Nix and Michael Penix um, and Sam Hartman. And obviously Bo Nix and Michael Penix are here sort of battling for, uh, you know, the three or four quarterback spot or, or the five or six spot. Um, and so they actually do have something to be here for, you know, to kind of battle each other to be that, that quarterback taken after your top. Um, your top four, which is probably, uh, you know, Caleb, obviously Drake May, uh, Jane Daniels and JJ McCarthy. So these two are here. And I was kind of surprised that they're here because they both played for so long in college. Bo Nix has the record number of starts for a college quarterback. I think it was 61 starts, if I remember correctly. So I was kind of surprised that they're here because you usually see players who like, you know, maybe haven't played that much who are small school guys who want to be here. But I think those two are sort of battling each other to prove to see how, you know, which one is better. So um, it was interesting to see them see them throw a little bit in the first practice. When it comes to being down there, what's what do you feel like is the biggest takeaway from from these guys having this opportunity senior bowl week? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's interesting. Like, I'm looking at a couple things while I'm here. Um, you know, Bo, Bo Nix and Michael Penix are really interesting quarterbacks. I wrote about this last year, how NIL had basically depleted the quarterback stock in last year's draft when you got to the later rounds. Because both of those guys would have been about mid, mid to late round picks last year. And they both decided to come back to college partially because, you know, they weren't going to be that high of picks, but also they were really enticed by the amount of NIL money that they could get. And so 
I actually would love to, maybe in about like three years, I think it'd be right to do a study to see, okay, of these quarterbacks who stayed in college longer, like, like Bo Nix and Michael Penix, who both transferred in their careers and both played, you know, past the four-year mark and, and past, you know, the, I don't know what the average probably for a quarterback in the NFL, but a lot of them play less than three seasons. And so I'd love to look and see, are these guys more successful because are they more successful? Are they able to hit the ground running better in the NFL than others because they stayed longer? And then, you know, what is going to be the long-term effect of NIL? I think it's actually really good for developing better and more pro-ready quarterbacks because, you know, they have all these reasons to stay. I think that that's really interesting. I, I talked with an NFL front office person who said that one of the things that they are looking for is the amount of starts just because it's hard to get reps you know, because so yeah. many so many people will come out if they're if they're a top prospect after their third year, they'll come out and they'll, they'll explore the draft. So that's a that's a really interesting way to kind of look this at this. This happened and, with basketball. We went through this with basketball, and and this this was the whole idea of having the G League and G League Ignite and yeah. saying, look, the college isn't for everybody, but you got to play, and and the yeah. playing matters. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I think it's really – I think these two guys are really interesting. Obviously, Michael Penix has an injury history that's concerning. Um, you know, so Bo Nix is probably likely the guy above Michael, but I think they're both um, – I don't know. I think they're both really interesting players, and I do think that there is definitely something to be said for getting starting experience in college because, as you said, like there are so, such limited reps in the NFL. And bringing back the emergency third quarterback rule, which they did this past offseason – which allows you to have that third quarterback dress and they don't count against your active roster for um, game day unless you end up, you, it, you know, and you can activate them if your first two quarterbacks go down. That was important, I think, for like continuing development of that third quarterback on NFL rosters. Um, but not every team is utilizing that. I don't know. I, I still need to look this up to see how many teams actually use that rule change this year, but it definitely wasn't um, more than half. I would say it was probably about half the teams or less. And, I was kind of surprised by that because I felt like, you know, it's a no-brainer to do that. But, you know, it's roster math. You, you can't always use that spot for a quarterback. Um, but I do think that will help long-term in the NFL in terms of the development. And then, obviously, the spring league, um, XFL or whatever it's called now, the merger with the USFL, that is also going to be really helpful, I think, for those guys who just need to play. Yeah, the UFL is now United the United Football League. They're, they're now, okay, they're now United in their football and their league and <laughs> – and, and all of the what other stuff. Well, what did you take away from Championship Sunday? Yeah, um, my big takeaway was it seems like the two teams that lost um, lost in completely different ways, which was interesting. So, like, and what I mean by that is like the Lions lost, but they they lost in their own style. Like Dan Campbell stayed very true to his offensive philosophy, went for it on fourth down, and we could argue those for years to come whether he should have or shouldn't have. But I personally agreed with the decisions and I respected it because, you know, you don't want to change what you want to do as a coach just because, you know, you're in this moment of the, you know, NFC championship game and, you know, you think you need a field goal. I mean, that field goal was not, was not a given, um, you know, this, that kicker's range, you know, his, his record was 48 yard plus wasn't great. So, 
there were a lot of factors that made those decisions make sense. And I did argue, actually, Daniel, appreciate this with my dad back and forth for a long time about those fourth down decisions. He was very against it. Um, but anyway, so the Lions lost, but in their own style. Like, they stayed true to their identity. And then I felt like the Ravens' loss was – they just looked like such a different offense. The fact that they only ran the ball six times was just crazy to me because they had been – you know, running the ball. I think the game before uh, the AFC Championship game, they ran the ball 31 times. So that it was just such a huge drop off, and I felt like they really changed their game, and they didn't look like themselves. So that was kind of my takeaways. These two teams that lost just had totally opposite styles of that. There were identity issues, and we had a guest yesterday, Dan Weeder, who said that the AFC game turned into a a belief game that when the Chiefs started doing what they were doing, all of a sudden the status of the Ravens as the number one seed or like they was their year. It's like all of a sudden they started to question themselves and the play calling reflected a, a concern about were they really who they, who they were all year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I don't know, I mean, I think all of us were probably rooting for Lions Ravens, honestly, because it was just different. It would have just been different and um, interesting. But I don't know. I think we do need to just appreciate. I mean, I, I thought to myself, like, I need to be better at appreciating greatness in Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, you know, and Travis Kelsey. Like, while we have it, like, everyone makes the Michael Jordan comparisons with Patrick Mahomes, but it's like, this is literally, this is this is a really interesting time that we get to experience with Patrick Mahomes. And it's just like, it felt like this was the year for anyone else in the AFC to take it. And the Bills couldn't take it and the Ravens couldn't take it. And so, you know, I don't think it's, I think it's kind of flawed to think like, oh, this was the only opportunity. Like this was the weakest. We're going to see the Chiefs. Like no one else is going to ever be able to win the AFC. Like we will see someone else, Um, you know, Joe Burrow, obviously the Bengals have done it, Um, you know, but, we will see someone else. Someone else's time will come, but it does just feel like this Chiefs team is just unstoppable right now. Yeah, the inevitability of Patrick Mahomes, that's what yeah. I think is is the the comp to Jordan, where if you if you look yeah. at look at all the guys that thought that they were in position to to take his place, whether it was Barkley or or Patrick Ewing or Reggie Miller, and then they were just sitting there with nothing at the end of it, mm-hmm. be, because of it, like that's what's so scary about what we're seeing with Patrick Mahomes is that he he is able to, in some cases, will a win. Like he makes even the throw at the end of the game. Like the, the throw to, to Valdez-Scantling at the end of the game is is such beautiful poetry considering yeah. how angry he was and how angry the world was at Valdez-Scantling for not making catches earlier in the season. Right. Yeah, That I mean, when you see – um, MVS like making game changing plays like that when he was silent for the year and for most of his career it's just like okay like what are you going to do um, that's yeah really impressive and then his trainer um, I can't remember Patrick's trainer's name it's like Bobby something Bobby Stroop maybe he tweeted a really interesting video a cut up of I don't remember exactly which play it was but oh the um, the, the training that he does to, yeah the yes. one where he's he's bent he's doing and, like a back bend yeah, yeah. He's doing like a bridge, like back bend position with like a weight, and then he's just doing it against the wall. And literally, there was a play where he's the Ravens were trying to sack him, and they could not bring him down. And he basically twisted himself out of a sack uh, 
And because of this like bridge position, it was the exact same position that he like drills every day. And I just thought that was like so impressive because, you know, I don't know if any quarterbacks are mimicking that in their training as well, but you know, Patrick's training is kind of weird and different like that. And so I just thought that was so such a cool side-by-side comparison of like how what you do in your training with weird body positions and flexibility and like especially back flexibility, how that then appeared in the game. So, Dan, if, if, I know that you had you didn't check it out, but this was all like in the quarterback documentary where we yeah. got to see Patrick Mahomes' training regimen and it's – it's the stuff that he does when he leaves the facility. It's part of the reason why like, I really, really like him is that it's clear that he is obsessed with winning and it, you're, you're the most talented guy in the league and you're willing to also be one of the hardest workers. That's a hell of a combination. Yeah, absolutely. And it was just so, it was just so cool to see that. Um, come to life in that way. And like, I didn't think that quarterback documentary was very interesting, except for probably that part, <laughs> like just, the, just the weird training. The rest of it was kind of boring. Yeah. That I, was, that was a good insight. I enjoyed the, the inside stuff that we could see, like with, with Kirk cousins, like how he was getting himself medically prepared. Um, yeah. it, it ended up making me like Kirk cousins more than I want to like Kirk cousins, Yeah, but, totally. but, you, but you're right. Like there, the Mahomes stuff to me was the most interesting because you want to see how does this guy make it work? And seeing all the, the extra stuff and the, the different like plyometric type things that he's trying to do after he leaves the, the Chiefs facility is just really cool to see him busting it like and that. And you got the trainer's name yeah. right, Kaylin. It is Bobby Stroop. Oh, is in- oh my God. Is I, indeed the name. Memory pull. Very yeah. good. Not, right to, not to be confused um, with Bobby Troop, the jazz pianist <laughs> and who played doctor early on emergency. But that's not what you're called. Um, I did want to tell you guys, Carrie Joseph is here, obviously um, the new uh, quarterbacks coach for Chicago. Uh-huh. He is coaching on the field right now, and I said hello to him before this practice started, and I was like, hey, you're going to be a really popular guy after this practice because, uh, you know, you're just going to get sworn by the Chicago contingent who's here. Um, so stay tuned for that. What do you want me to ask him? I, I want to know what his his philosophy is in quarterback development. Like, what are the things that he thinks are important yeah. when when it comes to bringing a quarterback along? That's actually that was literally obviously on my list. So we're on the same we're on the same wavelength. Because um, I did wonder. I mean, I still am not entirely sure what the Shane Walter hire means in terms of Caleb Williams. Um, you know, there is the connection there that's been reported about the quarterback collective. Uh, him coaching through the quarterback collective and Caleb participating in, in that previously. But, um, yeah, I'm trying to ask around here just kind of like what people are on the league sort of I, think of the Waldron hire in terms of Caleb. I also want to know whether coaches, offensive coaches overall, whether they lean more towards the, the draft pick has to play or the draft pick has to sit. I think that we had kind of moved towards right. the draft pick has to play and now I wonder if there is some value in the draft pick should sit and learn for a while. I know it's player dependent, but but it's something that I am curious about. Yeah, I really wanted to – I requested – I tried to request to the Packers to get anybody within their personnel department who was involved with the Jordan Love draft 
um, just to talk about that and like how that has turned out so well for them and just to talk in general about like their practice of patience um, in, in sitting the quarterback for several seasons before they start to play them because, you know, obviously not every franchise has the luxury of doing that. And the biggest hindrance to that is that if you're drafting a quarterback high enough, like you're usually in a situation where everyone's about to be fired. So people are trying to save their job. And I think that's, you know, the benefit that the Chiefs when they got Mahomes and the Packers when they got Jordan Love, like not only did they have a good starting quarterback, in the Packers case, a very elite Hall of Fame worthy one, um, you know, but they didn't have, they weren't doing it in a situation where the coaching staff was about to be fired. So they did have the luxury of being patient. And I think that was so important, um, you know, with Patrick and Jordan, who I, you know, you can always think hypothetically, like, would they be the same players if they had to play? As rookies, and you know, one, we're not going to know the answer to that. Uh, but we are—we know from Jordan Love two years ago when he had to start for Aaron Rodgers when Aaron had COVID um, in Kansas City, he did not look good in that game, and that was two years in, I believe, to his career. So I don't think he was quite ready then to take this role. Um, so there is a little bit of a sample size, I guess, with Jordan since he did have to come in and play, but. Um, yeah, it's a really it's a really interesting question to ask, and I think everyone here is going to have a different opinion on it. Kaylin, what's the significance of the Lions Ben Johnson staying put and not leaving for a head yeah. coaching position? So I actually didn't know that the, since I was here at practice, I'm not really on my phone because I'm like trying to talk to people in person. And I was talking with an agent. Um, actually, I was talking with Jared Goff's agent when that happened, and he was like, "Oh my god." Ben Johnson is staying. And obviously that's great for Jared. Like that's incredible for Jared because those two have a really good relationship and obviously work really well together. And I don't, I, I mean, has it, was it reported like he turned down the job? No, no. It had just been reported that, that he had said that he was going to stay. Like they're, okay. they're, the conversation yeah. now is whether or not, he was actually going to get one okay. of those jobs and yeah. did that play a role in him staying in Detroit? So interesting. I mean, I thought he was a lock for Washington. I thought it was a really good fit and also like an opportunity where like, I can see why he didn't want to go to the Panthers last year. Like that makes sense. But mm-hmm. like this year, Washington has a new owner who appears to be competent so far. I mean, it's, it's early still, but he appears to like want to spend money and do things and like, you know, they're, they're going to be in a position to get a quarterback. Um, felt like that was a good opportunity that he wouldn't want to say no to. But I don't know. He also is a very – he is a very analytical person, as we know from his, like, math background and also the way he coaches and what everything his players have said about him. So it actually doesn't surprise me that he would turn – if he if – he, I mean, if he was going to get the job or if he was still in contention and he just decided to walk away, that doesn't surprise me because – he is super thoughtful about things and like would be the type of person who isn't just going to rush into a head coaching job. And we saw that last year when he, you know, took himself out of the, out of contention as well. So I don't know. I think larger, the larger point is that I think Detroit, I mean, for them to keep this coaching staff together, like if Aaron Glenn also stays, like that's going to be really big for them to bring back all the coordinators and head coach. Like I think, you'll definitely be a favorite to get back to at least the NFC title game and hopefully go further if they can bring everybody back. Because if you think about Philadelphia last year, 
they lost their coordinators, both coordinators. And it hurt. And everything, yeah, like everything went wrong this season. So if Detroit can bring back both coordinators, and I mean, that, that staff works so well together, the players are so bought in there, they, I, I would expect them, you know, to just be even better. You know, I think they could, they could stand to add some pieces on defense and maybe another receiver, Josh Reynolds is a free agent, but um, I think they're going to sign Jared Goff to an extension pretty soon here, and then they're going to be back in business. Kaylin, we'll let you get back to scouting and journalizing amidst everybody there. You're <laughs> you're among your people, so uh, go enjoy. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Bye. That's Kaylin Kaler of the Athletic, senior NFL writer. She does a wonderful job. She is really building quite the resume, and it's great to see when we come back. The response, I always say don't miss a mailbag. Never miss a mailbag. And in his subscription newsletter, Joe Sheehan often does a mailbag where he takes pointed criticism from his readers. And they say, hey, wait a second, Sheehan. I read this and I have a problem with it. Yeah. So he responds. Because remember, I brought you his take on what he calls the Snellinger principle regarding both Blake Snell and Cody Bellinger. And he doesn't is, want the Cubs to have Cody Bellinger. Not true. But he said never sign. So he was just pointing out landmines in a contract. Never sign somebody to a deal that is longer than the number of really good years that they've already had. And some of his readers came back and said they needed some clarifications and thought he was trying to play it both ways. Yeah. And he responded to that criticism. So I With thought some gobbledygook. We would revisit that next on The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You, 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 listening to Bernstein and Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score. I think the world of Cody, obviously he had a great year here and even beyond having a great year for us. Um, he really ingratiated himself well with the city, the fan base, the players. And the players really think highly of him and he knows uh, that I think highly of him. So uh, none, of that, none of that's changed at all. That's Jed Hoyer, the Cubs president of baseball operations on still unsigned free agent Cody Bellinger. I saw another quote from him where he said, you, you can always sign anybody whenever you want if you pay what the agent's asking for, and then you run out of money real fast. I think that was in Paul Sullivan's piece. But, yeah, I mean, they're not going to really They're run not out running of money. out of money. They're there never, ain't no salary cap. They're never going to run out of money. He may run out of his budgeted money, but the guy who is actually bankrolling the money isn't going to run out for Cody Bellinger. But he gave us a couple of weeks ago the Snellinger principle. And that was this idea of don't sign anybody to a deal for a longer term 
than the total number of good years the player has had, which is an interesting starting point. And then you raised the response, well, wait a second, then why do we care if there's bad money on the back end of the deal? That's the owners can handle that there. And like you say, there is no salary cap. So where does this put you as what you're asking your team to do? So the cool thing about Joe is he's all, he always will respond to reader pushback and his readership is made up of a very smart subset of baseball fans that is always going to be incredibly critical and is always pushing back on it. And actually, yeah. And the segment here says Snellinger pushback. This was, and, and some of these people actually, when I read these, might be listeners to the show, might have even have heard our discussion. I said, Joe, you're trying to have it both ways. You're constantly saying that middle tier free agents are not where you should spend your money. And I agree. You advocate spending real money in the top tier. Then you blast half the league for not playing in the sandbox when this year's free agent crop was incredibly thin. What are you asking teams to do? So it's about defending the Pirates or the A's, but if you're almost as hard on the Royals for venturing into the market as you were on other teams, the teams have realized the dangers of the aging curve. The free agent system's broken unless they change the structure. And what Sheehan says is, I get your point, but he said the various principles I espouse work in parallel with the criticism of the teams sitting this winter out is you couldn't be more right about free agency, which the MLBPA doesn't seem to get. Another reader. You're giving me whiplash. Joe, last week you made a case that it would be ridiculous to sign Cody Bellinger to the kind of contract he's reported likely to get. But then you say he's an athletic, young, potential five-win player who's the Giants' only path to salvation. How do I reconcile these conflicting takes? Yeah, why don't you answer that question, Sheehan? He says, I see the dissonance. The catch is the standings matter, and you have to try to win games even if you're doing it inefficiently. The specific intersection of Bellinger and the Giants would make me willing to sign him. If there's an eight-year deal out there for him, good for him. And I believe everything I've written about the principles that should guide a team's decisions are just that. They're just not laws. An 80 and 82 team isn't as good as an 85 and 77 team, even if it returns more wins per dollar spent. So here is another response. Giants are still on my list. Well, that's right. We haven't said that yet. So here's where uh, he says, I'm all for my team spending money inefficiently to chase wins. If it's not my money, why do I care? And Joe says there's a strain of fandom that roots for the owner's wallets and a parallel one that thinks winning on a lower payroll is someone more, more somehow more moral than winning on a higher one. I'm not taking either position. I'm measuring this as if a team is getting better. So there were some a very specific Cub fan who says, this is George, who says, it's funny. You write this reasoned, well-thought-out piece, and at the end of it, I, a Cubs fan, think, yeah, but I still hope the Cubs sign Cody Bellinger. Odds are, if they do, it'll be a disaster, unless the price is relatively low, but I liked watching him play last year. I don't see how it could be a disaster. He says, and I hope they keep him around. It, It might, at the end of the deal, not be great, but I don't foresee it being a disaster. He says fans should never care about war per dollar or risk profiles. There's a chance Bellinger's a new guy, and even if he's not, he could help a team that needs the on-base percentage and has some room at his positions. He made a lot of Cubs fans happy last year. If it doesn't work out, 
it doesn't cost you anything. It's a write-off for an insanely wealthy family. But then, then he adds, Blake Snell is the only guy who I don't want. I think he could actively hurt a team. Everyone else is just gradations of risk and reward. So he, I, but I say, I think he's still trying to have it both ways a little bit. I yes, think, he is. I think the warning of landmine bad deal, where the Bellinger situation is different. The only way it's a disaster is if bad Bellinger shows up. Yes, the Bellinger that had the Bellinger that the Dodgers didn't want, and bad Bunny. The, and bad baby. No, but you have to pronounce it like the way all baseball players do when they mention their Balboni. Baby. Balboni. Balboni. Which to me sounds like Steve Balboni. Every, everybody answers, what, what kind of music do you listen to? Balboni. Balboni. So I, I get the way he's explaining these things on really narrow sort of intellectual paths here. But either the understanding of the fan's perspective of get me a player I like who I think is good. Or owners should be very careful as to how they spend because some of these contracts can be disastrous for them. I'm tired of these owners being careful. Well, that's part of the problem. But Spend, spend, spend. If bad Bellinger shows up, that's a disaster because he's not a major league player. That version of Cody Bellinger. Defensively, he still is, though. At first, probably the center field has dropped off. We looked at some of those. He's still a major league defender. Correct. At both positions. Correct. And maybe he gives you some on base percentage if he's not giving you the hard hit and giving you the slug. But I, I, you know, I didn't actually look at the defensive numbers when he was underwater as a, as a a warp number. I don't know what the component I'll I'll check. I didn't know if there was a negative defensive component in the war number on that, whether or not bad Bellinger was also bad defensive Bellinger. Bad bone and bad bony. What's, what's bad baby up to these days? You still catching people outside? How about that? Who's who, She's probably not even 20 yet. That was like 15 years ago. I don't think it? so. I think she might be 20, 21 years old. I don't even remember her actual name. It doesn't matter. Her new name is Rich. Like she's gotten real rich off of that. And her rap career. She's not that bad. So 2021 Bellinger, who is, a, who is a negative one war player, that's when he batted 165 on base 240, slugged 302 at WRC plus of 47. He was a negative defensive player that year. Oh. And he was a negative defensive player last year. I, I forgot that you had to spell it with extra letters. What? Bad baby? B-H-A-D. Bad? Dan, she's 20. That's Cash Me Outside. How about that? Yep. She's 20 years old. And she's about to have a baby. Oh, baby. Wait. So she actually had a career as a rapper? She still does. She's making a lot of money. Okay. That's right. You come up with a catchphrase. Oh, apparently she's made millions on OnlyFans. So? Okay. Quit kink shaming. Why not? Let her make that money on OnlyFans. Get it, baby. I'm not mad. I mean, you know, lohosfeet.com is doing real well, too. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, that's, that's, that's going to be my ticket to, to riches. Lohosfeet.com? No, it, it's an OnlyFans. Dan's a day one investor. It's just me in my ripped underpants <laughs> doing cryptic crossword puzzles. Hey, that could, 
There's somebody into that. There's tons of people that are probably into that that you don't even know. Did you guys see that video? Was it Tyra Banks and she was sitting there with a couple of furries? And at first, she was, like, into it. She was at a game. She was, like, courtside at a game. And there were, like, a couple furries, like, sitting next to her. And then she was like, ha, ha, ha. And then they didn't leave. They just kept sitting next to her. Okay. Hysterical. Like, the, like, the change in the look like on her not, face. This isn't a bit. We, yeah, these, we're sitting here. Yeah, these are our seats. With you. We're not mascots. We're people who like to dress up as animals. Damn it. Nothing wrong with that. 708 hat tip. You don't have to be lonely at lohosfeet.com. Yeah! You don't have to be lonely. I wonder how Terry's Farmer's Only profile ended up doing. Because we put him on there back in the day. I'm sure, like, it's, it's rough in these streets, Dan. Like, people are trying to do whatever they got to do. Whoa, look out! Ducks! Whoa! Isn't there a new show, like, like Farmer Needs yeah. a Hose Bag or something? And that's not what it's called. No. It's Farmer Needs a Wife. I believe it's in, like, season three. Oh. And the shocking but part was that there was, a, it was a, there was one black farmer. E-I-E-I-O. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, burning cross here and a burning cross there. <laughs> they know who said it. Y'all said it. Yes, they deserve to die. And I hope they burn in hell. You heard it. This show's supposed to be fun sometimes. And you don't have to be lonely with FarmersOnly.com. If that's what you're into, maybe you want to do something else. City Boys is up like a hundred million right now. City Boys, City Boys. <laughs> another another texter. I trust him because he's a farmer. Because he's a farmer, then you can go out and date with him because he's a farmer. Trust him. I will say though, if you are going to marry a farmer, you better be ready to be married to a farmer, which means that you are also a farmer. Because you're going to be farming. No, that's that's. This is a family business. Up at the crack of dawn every day. Studs knows he doesn't have to be on FarmersOnly.com anymore. <laughs> Did you get up to slop the hogs? No, I didn't. Oh. So to speak, I didn't, have you, ho- you, I didn't live on a they're, farm. They're, but you they're sounded actually like you were coming from SlopTheHogs.com is also another mm-hmm. the other guy, site. Guy I went to high school with grew up on a farm. He had to get up every day and do work before school. Yeah, it's all in in Downstate Sudzinski's podcast. <laughs> Farm Adjacent, the Farm Adjacent Farm podcast adjacent. with Downstate Sunzinski. Is that also on House of L? I'm, I don't know because we've got so many podcasts. Farm Adjacent, I don't know. With studs. <laughs> I could, I could probably do a series. Farm Adjacent, it's like a short it's coming up. Farm Adjacent of all the stupid little co- country things I saw growing up. It's well, Cody Westerland was a farmer. What? Cody grew up not too far from me. Cody, he was like a 4-H champion. He raised a prize pig. I'm not making this up. Well, next time we talk to him, we got to get some prize pig stories. No, he did. Like he he was he was big into like award winning 4H don't stuff. Don't believe Dan for a second, not for one second. And let me just can I, I'm gonna look right into the camera too. Don't believe Dan for one second. He took a one look at Cody's zip code, and he has made this entire backstory. That's not true on Cody. That is not true at all. He he was a 4-H champion. Nope. He was I, like Napoleon Dynamite and, drinking the milk and knowing that it would walk through And let me onions. guess, Dan, I grew up in a tap dancing family, right? <laughs> Every day I'm shuffling 
I'm telling you, ask Cody. And raising about- a mariachi man. See, this is this why is you what- profiling me, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> why are you profiling everybody? What if Cody is like, no, I I grew up in downtown Chicago. No, he he didn't. No, he grew up. He I grew went to up- I went to Jones. What are you talking about? And I grew up as a usurious moneylender. He grew up like two hours from me. He grew up. He grew up in Central Illinois. So Dan's story could be right. He could be making the 4-H part up right. Part it, it, up, it's, but it's, it's probably it's all possible. I'm saying is that it's probably not true. How long did ask him? How long did Dan think Chris Tannehill was black? For forever, just light skin. For forever. No, I'm just saying. Don't take don't take anything this man says about. The activities of the people here at the score series. However, I also think Cody Westerland's black. So, well, so it is I'm at least consistent in that regard. That's why they pigeonholed him in our NBA coverage. Wait, didn't you also think Kevin Lapko is black? Was that yes, you? It was him. It was that- him. Even after hearing the name Lapka. This guy. Lapka saw me running yesterday. He texted me. Was he stalking you? I don't know. He just texted me. He said, I think I saw you running on Foster. Then, then that would be a, a matchup I'd like to see. You guys in a straight line race. Oh, he would kill me. You think so? How far are we going? What? Tell me the distance where you feel if comfortable. If we're doing a 5K, I think I can beat him. Okay. If we're doing... I mean, like, if you're if doing a marathon, you can definitely beat yeah, him. If we're doing like anything under like 100 meters or less, he's going to destroy me. Okay. Quick twitch Like a 100, yard, 100 yard sprint, he would... Destroyed. That's why Dan thinks he's black. <laughs> he's fast. I, I I definitely think he can't play Kevin quarterback. Black. He certainly shouldn't play quarterback. I think they have to move him to defensive back. He's too mobile. He's, he's, got, you, he's got good feet. Move him to wide receiver. If you really think about it, he's more of a running back than a quarterback. <laughs> and then that caller found out that Kevin Lapka, good bloodlines. Good bloodlines. That's- Should be the Bears starting quarterback. I think Studs and Cody Westerland took the Jackie Robinson statue. <laughs> the C! The C! Oh, hold on. <laughs> See, that's not right. Oh, don't put that on me. They're going to get to that pickup truck and they're going to look at like, wait a second here. Hold I don't on. think that any of that's true. I never owned a pickup truck a day in my life. The stuff about Cody and the pig is true. I still like who, who do you have that confirmed by? Cody! Did he say it to yes. you? Has he texted it yes. and said that it's true? He. He doesn't need to text you to ask him. Ask I him. I don't know. I still like the idea that there is a podcast and it's the farm adjacent podcast with downstate Studzinski and now co-hosted by prize pig Westerland. I like it. <laughs> Get on it. How is his nickname? Not pig. It is now. We should be calling him pig. I want to know the, I don't know the name of the pig. It's because you made it up. I didn't make it up. <laughs> Telling you, Guy, guys got blue ribbons, and, and I, it's probably the best bacon they ever had in your life. So we ate him after he yeah, won all the prizes this, this with them. What do you think you can raise him to slaughter him? Yes, he that's did. His buddy, he raised him. To, yes, they did. What do you think they do? Who they, are the, who, thought they lived happily when, ever when after? When you say they, Dan, pig exactly farmers. Exactly. What do you mean? What, what do you think that the pig farmers are raising pigs? I'm so glad to go, that he said to, farmer because it sounded like he was going to say something else. You think pig farmers are raising pigs so they can romp gaily in the field? I thought it was a whole tale where no. he brought the pig to the big city and it was all happy. <laughs> and then the pig talked. I saw that movie and it was great. Babe, pig in the city.
that's it. No, this this pig was fattened up, slaughtered, and magically. You don't know that. Well, then what else would they do with it? They they brought it to Dress the city it up and, and talk to people. In lovely little outfits. It became friends with a spider. I don't know. Some pig. That'll do, pig. That'll do. Back after this to the score. Bernstein and Holmes. Middays 10 to 2. On Sports Radio 670 The Score. And 670thescore.com. In Odyssey Station. Join 670 The Score and Circus Sports Illinois for the big game party on Sunday, February 11th at Benchmark in Old Town. Mully and Haw, Bernstein, Holmes, and Rahimi, Parkinson, Spiegel, broadcasting live, all of us from 12 to 3, getting you ready for the big game between Kansas City and San Francisco. You must have at least $100 in your Circa Sports Illinois app to attend. Doors open at noon, live entertainment, complimentary game day bites. Go to CircaSports.com to sign up for the invite and for more info. And also, don't forget the Rewind feature on the app. That Richard Deitch interview was great. You should go back and listen. Use the Rewind feature. Download the Odyssey app. Search 670 to score. Tap earlier today to get started. All right, we have an update. What's the update? What's the update from Cody? All right, so Cody texted me during the break, and he said, Dan is correct. I was in 4-H for several years, and one of my pigs won a blue ribbon at the county fair one time. Award-winning is a real stretch considering it was a small-town America and multiple blue ribbons were handed out from what I recall. He then said the pigs did go to slaughter. Oh. Yes. They, they, it's so nice. They go to slaughter. Where are you going today? Oh, I think I'll get my nails done and then go to slaughter. All right, we'll have fun at slaughter. We'll see you later. And Slayer. <laughs> storybook, storybook ending ruined. They went to slaughter, and then they went to Slayer. And those good shows. Speaking of which... Parkinson Spiegel are next. Yeah! They're next on the score. Rock out with your score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.